All right. We will uh, catch that maybe at the end of the service. So let's, um, I just want to start this morning. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here. It is so very good to see all of you here this morning to celebrate one full year of Horizon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So um, last night about 8 o'clock, I got a phone call from Camille, our worship leader, and she is currently in the hospital. She's all right. Um, but she will, well, I mean, she's not right, she's in the hospital, um, but she will be discharged later today, um, and so I was just hoping we could go ahead and say a quick prayer for her, and when we do that, there were people who stepped up to lead the music today, people who brought their own guitars and came in to sing songs that they kind of knew, but not really today, people who just stepped up and really embraced what, what it is we're talking about in this sermon series, that they are brave and strong and known and loved, and so I just want to... Um, Take a moment to pray for Camille and give thanks to God for the people in this congregation who are beginning to believe, who are actually stepping in to who you are in God. You are brave, you are strong, you are known, and you are loved. Will you pray with me? God, we right now lift up Camille to you. We pray for you to just work through the doctors and nurses as she moves towards healing. We, we just pray that over her and for her, that you'll give her and her family peace in this time, that peace that passes all understanding. And for all of the people who are here this morning, God, who their lives feel a bit chaotic and, and crazy right now, for those who are here this morning also seeking your healing and places in their lives that, that they don't even know God can be healed, I pray for them this morning that they will, they will know you to be the person who begins healing in our lives. I give you thanks, God, for each brave and strong, known and loved person in this congregation who has stepped up to do amazing and mighty things in your name. Thank you for each person this year who has shined light and ignited change, that others may know of your light, of your hope, of your peace, of the new day that you are indeed bringing in us and through us. We love you, God. We thank you for the past year that has raised up leaders and, and new people, God, working hard for your kingdom. And we pray, God, for the years to come, that through this church, through this group of people gathered in a middle school auditorium, you would start and continue some movement today where people look back and they say, hey, remember what God did through Horizon, through a bunch of people who just showed up willing to shine light and ignite change. God, we are here this morning for you, and we pray you'll use us in mighty ways as we move from here today. Amen. Men. All right, so this morning we're in a series, Brave, Strong, Known, Loved. Um, the question that we're asking for this series is, is a lot of us are finding ourselves in one place in our lives and, and we feel this deep rumble deep down in our soul that God is moving us from the place we are right now to the place where God wants us to be, where life is more abundant and free, where you have some of those things that you're really longing for in your life, that, that you're abundant and free to be able to shine light and ignite change. So how you're moving from the place you are right now to the place that God has asked you to be in. Last week we talked about um, one of the, the first things, we've looked at the story of Joshua, one of the first things that, that God told Joshua is that you are brave and you are strong. And he didn't ask, he didn't say be brave in a year when your finances are right. Be brave three years from now when everything in your life is exactly like you thought it would be. Be brave. Take that brave next step into what it is I'm calling you to do, what it is I'm asking you to do. Do that now. Do that today. And so we're going to look at the story of Joshua. He's taken the brave step. These 
These people have moved from Israel, uh, from Egypt, where they were enslaved. They've lived for 40 years in the desert, and now it's time for them to cross the Jordan River and live in the Promised Land. They've made the step. They've realized they're on the banks of the Jordan, and they realize it's time to move into the Promised Land. And Joshua, who, who was just the aide of the person who brought him this far, Moses, Joshua is going to help lead them this way. So he's taking the brave next step. He says, guys, it is time to go. The circumstances aren't perfect. It doesn't look like it's the time to go. But God has said it's time for us to take the brave next step. But has anybody ever taken a brave next step in their life? And when you get there, you've taken that brave step, maybe you're starting to feel a little confident, right? In fact, Joshua sends two spies into the, across the Jordan River into the land, and they come back and tell him, you know what, they are scared to death of us. So, so Joshua's feeling like confident in what he's doing to lead the Israelites. Has anybody ever taken the brave step and you're feeling confident, like I did what God asked me to do, and I'm ready to shine light and ignite change. We're ready for this. But then what happens when you're circumstances, when you look around and you're like, uh-oh, I'm in over my head. This is the moment we're going to look at today. Joshua has helped lead the people to this brave next step. But then there's something that stands between him and Israel. And it's this Jordan River. It's in the flood stage. It's like the rainy season in Israel. The river's flooding and it's not smart. And they have got to cross this river to get there. About two years ago, I, I resonate with this story because about two years ago, I remember taking a brave step. Chris and I, um, many of you know, we grew our family through adoption um, of our son. We took that brave step into adoption, and soon after that, we got a call that asked us to move from Nashville, Tennessee to Tampa, Florida to start a new church. So we took a brave step, and we moved from Nashville to Tampa. In, in that amount of time, we also found out that we were pregnant. So this was just a huge brave step for our family. We're moving our six month old son from Nashville to Tampa. We're moving, you know, it, it just was like a brave step. But I remember this moment standing in my kitchen about a month into this. We, we survived Hurricane Irma. Anybody remember that moment? We survived the hurricane. We're, I'm like fixing this healthy veggie stir fry on the stove. I had a great day out in the community meeting new people. I was like, we are called to start a new church. I'm so glad we took this brave next step to Tampa. It's a beautiful day outside. I'm so glad that we're here. My baby is like laying on the kitchen floor, playing on a blanket, just happy as can be. I'm fixing this like extremely healthy veggie stir fry on the stove. I'm like, this is what I said yes to. I am brave. I am strong. I am known. I love, like I even texted my best friend. I was like, I, I was created to do this. And about that time, I heard this cry. And I remember thinking, there's no way that could actually be my baby. Because there's no way something under 500 pounds makes a sound like that. Come to find out, my child had mastered the barrel roll stage, had rolled over to the kitchen cabinets, and there's a ledge between the kitchen floor and the kitchen cabinet, and his leg was stuck up under the kitchen cabinet, and he was like stuck, stuck. And he was screaming. I've never heard some baby, like he was just crying, crying, crying. And I immediately like kind of lost my mind. I was like, I do not know what to do. Like his leg is like wedged up under there. So I ran and got a hammer out of our laundry room. <laughs> and I'm like, take care of this cabinet. I'm also like six months pregnant. So I'm like, swimming. Not close to the baby. Not close to the baby. But I'm like, this is, this is probably not the best idea. And I, like at that time, am just completely overwhelmed with anxiety. So I did what only I knew to do. I called 911. And the emergency operator says, 911, what's your emergency? And I was like, my baby is stuck under our kitchen cabinets. And she said, is he breathing? And I, 
Y'all, he's screaming, and I go over and do the first aid CPR thing. I literally, like, tapped on his shoulder. I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? And the one operator, he was in screaming. She's like, he's breathing. Is he screaming? Like that. So she was, like, she was like, do you need an ambulance? I was like, we probably need two ambulances. I'm going to help me. I'm just, like, really losing it. So um, she's like, I'm going to send a police officer, a firefighter, and we'll send an ambulance if we, if we need one. So I, like, hang up the phone, call my mother-in-law. I'm like, Danny, David's not coming to the kitchen cabinet. The police officer's coming. The firefighter's coming. Can you come? And I hang up the phone. I'm also calling the 9 operator, and you're not supposed to do that. So she's, like, calling me back, and she's like, man, please do not hang up on me until first responder is there. I'm like, you don't understand. I have to call my mother-in-law. It's his grandma. So... I'm like telling her why I have to call, and I've not left David's side, and I hear a knock on the front door. You can kind of see it from the kitchen, and it's a police officer. And she was like, ma'am, is the police officer there? And I said, yes. And she said, the door is locked. Can you go and lock the door? I said, no, I'm not leaving my baby. Tell him to knock the door down. It's fine. <laughs> she was like, ma'am, go unlock the door, please. So I went and locked the door, come back in. The police officer is much calmer than I am at this situation, so he walks like quietly into the kitchen, and he was like, oh, he, he, his leg is stuck under there. Do you have some oil? I was like, yes. I was just fixing veggie stir-fry. I said, an entire gallon of organic, extra virgin olive oil. I can put the whole gallon on him, and it might come out. So I literally, like, take the gallon and just, like, under my child. And the police officer has kindly turned my veggie stir-fry, which is still cooking, off so that we don't actually have to have the firefighters there to, like, fight fire. And he, he turns back around and is like, ma'am, that's enough olive oil. <laughs> so he helps me get David's leg out from under the, um, he's like, David's like soaked. And it like literally he like bends down and like his leg comes right out from under. And I like scoop my baby up who's like covered in olive oil. And I'm like holding on to him for dear life as the four firefighters have now come into my house and they're like staring at this frantic pregnant mom holding this like greased baby in front of them. And I was like, oh, I just like told my friends, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like this is who I'm created to be. And they're like staring at me. And then my mother-in-law like runs in the door at the same time. And they're all staring at me as I'm like, I am not, like I'm in over my head here. I am in over my head. Anybody had that moment in life? No. <laughs> but there was this moment where I just realized I was in, I was in way over my head, right? This is where we find Joshua this morning. He didn't call 911. Um, he didn't have four firefighters, a policeman, and his mother-in-law staring at him as he holds a greased baby as tight as he can. But he did have to, he did take the brave next step. He finds out, you know, maybe I actually can be used by God to do this next thing. And then what, what's in front of him? A river that, has, that is out of its banks. He really can't handle this task. Like literally he's about to lead the people of Israel in to something that is literally over their heads. Anybody ever felt like that? This morning when I got here, I felt, I was like, God, this is really funny. You're, t you're telling me to, to teach people about how you call them to step into the water, into the river, even though it's in flood, flood stage. And, and my worship leader's in the hospital. My keys player called me at 515 and said she can't be here. Are you kidding, God? Step in the, step in the river in flood stage? And there's been a lot of moments, guys, over the last year 
where God has asked us to take the brave next step. And for one moment, just one moment, we got that peace that, that we were doing what we were supposed to. And really quickly, we looked around and we realized we were about to be in over our heads. And this, this is what I believe. I believe there are lots of people in this room who've also either taken that next brave step or about to. And the, the thing that's holding you up is that you're afraid of being in over your head. Let me, let me say something to you guys. Where you are right now, there are people and things benefiting from you not moving to the next place. God does not want you to stay in a place where you're not yet experiencing the abundance and freedom of the life God has for you. And there's going to be a moment when you take that brave step to follow him and then you get there and you're like, I feel like I am in over my head. That's exactly where Joshua is this morning. And the only way that he is able to continue leading the people of Israel is he knows he's brave and he has to be reminded he is strong. He is strong enough to face those moments in life where it feels like the, the river is out of its banks. It's in flood stage, God, and you want me to do what? And he says, I want you to cross over to the other side. I want you, I want you to go in to the promised land. And, and as Joshua's looking out, he also sees this city that he realizes they're going to have to, like, go through to get to the promised land. It's this city with big, tall walls around it. And God says, yes, I want you to cross Jordan, and I want you to go through Jericho, and I want you to go to the promised land. And he's like, I am in over my head. So I want you guys, if you have your Bible, if you want to turn with me, we're going to focus a lot on Joshua chapters 3 through 6. When you go home over the next couple weeks, if you want to just take out your Bibles and start reading through this story of Joshua, um, we're going to focus on 3 through 6, 3, 1 through um, Six right now. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. And this is what he tells them. He's like, we've told you to be brave and strong and courageous. And this, this is how you're strong. This is what they say. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, that's essentially the word of, the, of God. That's the stories and the moments that they have recorded that God has told them. He says, um, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, and that you are to move from your positions and follow it. Do you hear what I'm saying, folks? You are supposed to follow the word of God. Not go in front of it. Not, go behind, not stay way back here in camp while the rest of us are moving forward. You're supposed to. To follow the word of God. And then you will know. Listen to this guys. Then you will know which way to go. Because you've never been this way before. That's when we start getting that. Oh wow. In over my head feeling right. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits. Between you and the people. And then verse 7. It says the Lord said to Joshua. Today I begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. So they may know that I am with you. As I was with Moses. This is, this is how you can be strong. I am with you. And he says, tell the priest, listen to this, to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. And then he tells them in the, in the next couple of verses, he says, once you stand in the, in the water, I'm going to stop the water and you're going to cross over on dry land. But what did they have to do first? They had to put their feet in the water. When you're strong, strong people follow God's word. It is easier. It is easier to listen to the voices and the people and the things that are asking you to stay right where you are. But can you hear God's voice say, you are brave? This is the word of God, folks. You are strong. You are known. You are loved. You can move from where you are to the place where God wants you to be because you are brave, you are strong, 
You are known and you are loved. Strong people, right? I think we have this idea that they follow all kinds of things. They follow the word of God. It's easy also to want to go ahead of God, right? Sometimes when we find ourselves standing in the water, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm taking off swimming, right? No, you're supposed to follow the word of God. There's a moment when you're standing in that water in that mess sometimes where you want to run ahead of the word of God and just fix it yourself. That's not what God asks you to do. Stay behind and listen to the word of God. Make sure you're spending time praying and listening, serving others. That's, that's the way God speaks to us. How are you making sure to follow God's word after you've taken that first brave step? Because strong people follow God's word. Essentially what God tells them is step in the water, right? Don't panic. I needed to hear this this morning. I've like laughed all week about um, having to do this. Strong people embrace change. There's a you've never been this way before. Did you hear what God said to him? You don't. You have never been this way before. The only way you're going to know is if you follow me, follow my voice, follow the things I'm asking you to do. Strong people embrace the change. You're going to have to leave some things behind, folks. Some things that probably aren't serving you anyway when you take that brave step. Strong people embrace change and they don't panic. And sometimes it's not going to make any sense to you. It's going to be a river in flood stage and God's going to ask you to step your foot in that water and you're going to feel it rushing by, right? The, the water doesn't trickle by when it's in flood stage. It is rushing by. You feel it in your work. Go by your ankles and your shins. And you're going to have to listen to God. Say, you are strong. Stay rooted. Stay rooted in my promises. You are brave. You are strong. You are loved. And then, guys, I want you to listen to what happened. When the people broke camp, they crossed the, the Jordan River. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. They followed the word of the God that were being strong. The Jordan was at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. The people crossed over just opposite of Jericho. Sometimes we're going to have to step our feet into the water. Our brave step is going to make us feel like we're about to be taken away. Strong people can handle that, right? You can, take your, you can step into the water. Maybe some of you this morning feel like you're in the middle of a stage in your life where the river is at flood stage. I'm here to tell you this morning, as the water rushes by, as you feel like I might be losing control, I want to tell you something. Stay rooted in the love of God. Stay rooted in his promise. You are brave. You are strong. You are known. You are loved. The second thing that strong people do is they remember, they remember the things, the good things that God is doing along the way, and they tell other people. When Joshua gets all the people out to the middle of the river, it's it's dry. The river, the Jordan riverbed is completely dry, and he says, "Hey, twelve guys, I want you to step over here. I want each of you to pick up a stone, and I want, when we get over to Jericho, over on the other side of this river, we're going to set up camp, and I want you to put your stones there because we're going to mark what God has done for us today." <coughs> And this is why I think he did that, because there was going to be moments ahead in the journey where you were going to forget how, how God made you strong, and so you need to make a marker. It's his, so you, our children are going to look at those one day, and they're going to say, hey, tell me about those 12 stones laying in that pile right outside of the old city of Jericho. Can you tell me about that? And those people are going to say, yeah, you're not going to believe this. 
But the, the Jordan River was at flood stage and, and God dried it up so that we may cross over into the promised land. We took a brave step and God asked us to pick up the stone and put it there. We've had to do that a lot this year, folks. Three Sundays in, we had like 35 kids in our Horizon Kids ministry. We were meeting at the Garden Club then in a room that literally was like the size of that right there. The kids were, there were like 40 kids in there. There were like 12 babies in this teeny tiny closet um, that we had like changed into a nursery. And we realized like we were going to have to move, right? And we picked up from the Garden Club and we moved here to a middle school auditorium. Look around how beautiful <laughs> this place is. We were on Bayshore looking out over the bay. But God asked us to pick up and move so that we would be able to tell our children about the mighty things God did through a bunch of people gathered at a middle school auditorium every Sunday who were committed to shining light and igniting change all through our community. And so we put a stone down and we reminded ourselves every time we're setting up on Friday with Skegis and Matt Phillips, we said this, this is why we're doing this tonight. Because there are a bunch of kids over there who need to know in a world that tells them a lot of things that they are brave, strong, known, and loved. And we believe Jesus does that here through us. We put a stone down. When, when, a, when a good friend of ours took the hand of God and stepped away from an addiction and into a healthy and recovered life. We put a stone down because we need to remember that's what we do when Jesus actually shines light on the darkness in our life and ignites change. And we move from a place of just addiction and, and ugliness into the light that God has done. We put a stone down when we make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches so many Thursday nights. And there are some times when we say, are these, are these bags of sandwich with a sandwich and a bag and a granola bar, are these really helping the folks that we give it to? We've asked that question. And I kid you not, the night we're like, do we really keep... Doing this, the next day, Chris and I are sitting at a stoplight on Del Mabry, and we watch a guy who's probably experiencing homelessness, who probably ate at Trinity Cafe, take his backpack off of his, off of his back on the corner, right there on the corner of Del Mabry, and he picked out this brown lunch sack. And I kid y'all not, he took out a Bill Curry, that's the water bottles that we use, a Bill Curry Ford water bottle, and he handed it to a guy who was working a landscape job on one of the hottest days of the year. And I was like, do we keep doing this? Yes. Because you know what we did? We gave somebody else an opportunity to shine light and ignite change who's not real sure that they are, are doing a whole lot right now. So we, we put a stone down, and on days when it's hard to lug cardboard boxes of 100 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to the back of a Jeep, we remember this is why we do this, because God is doing something amazing through a bunch of people who gather in the back room of a brewery and drink beer and make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Amen? Only God can do that. Only God can do that. <laughs> we, but we put stones down, folks. We remember what it is that God is doing for us. Are you marking those moments when, you've been, when God has done something that, that you can't even imagine? Strong people, make, they, they make a note that God has done something to bring them through. And they tell others about it. He says, tell your children about it. Tell the children. And, and for the Israelites, it's never like, tell your one baby. It's tell the children. They're all our children. When B.T. Washington got their, their second C in a row after years, after decades of an F, 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 F school. And then we partnered with them, guys, and God has used a bunch of mainly white folks in a, in a gym all the way across town, in a middle school auditorium, all the way across town to shine light and ignite change. With this school, 
And then, guys, then when the, the guy who lives across the street doesn't have any kids at Beachy Washington, but he brings gloves over for those of us who are helping out, shining some light and igniting some change. This is what we do. We mark a stone. God is doing something amazing through these people here. And, and here's the deal. This is, this is why we're going to meet again next week. We didn't just do this for a year, right? We believe God has more stones for us to pick up and put here. We're hoping to on next week to say, hey, remember that time all those people showed up at that first birthday to, to cheer us on and be excited about the ways we're shining light and igniting change. And look what God started in their life here. We, be, be a part of putting these stones down with us as we keep shining light and igniting change for a new day. A day where folks can, can experience that abundant and free life that they're craving. A day we can begin to experience that. The third thing that, that strong people do is they don't have to know all the answers. So they've moved across the Jordan, they've set up camp, and Joshua's told, like, your, your next task is going to be to take over the city of Jericho. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But he's standing there, and I want you all to hear what happens to him. As he's taking just a moment to step away from, from the camp, from everybody coming across the, across the Jordan, he says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. <laughs> that cannot be fun. He has no weapons on him, and this guy's standing there with his sword drawn. I guess that's how you draw a sword. Uh, with a sword drawn. And, and Joshua looks at him and goes, uh, Are you for us or for our enemies? Um, like, are you about to kill me? Do I need to run? Or what's about to happen here? And the guy says, neither, <laughs> he replied. But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. He's a messenger of God. And then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence, and he asked the messenger. He said, what message does my Lord have for me, his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you stand is holy, and Joshua did so. You hear that? Strong people don't look at them and say, whoa, you're my enemy, you're gone. Or are you on our side? He didn't know who he was, so he asked a question. Strong people ask questions. They don't think they know all the answers. And then the messenger says, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And he humbled himself, and he worshiped God. There's going to be moments where maybe it's not a guy with a drawn sword. I hope it's not. But there's going to be somebody who God sends your way to deliver a message to you. And, and you're going to have an opportunity to say, I think I know about you already. I know what you're going to say. And instead, God says to us that strong people don't always have to know the answers. We don't always have to know exactly what's next. Be humble. That's the opposite of what we're often told about how to be strong, right? What does it look like to take a moment to be strong and not know all the answers. Be humble. The, the last thing that I want to tell you is, is in chapter, chapter 6, God says that the gates of Jericho, so they, the only thing now, they cross the river, the only thing standing between the Israelites and the promised land is the city of Jericho, which literally has like this huge fortress wall around it. I, it kept saying it was a fortified city, and Friday night we were with some friends, and they built a pillow fort, and I was like, oh, that's what a fortified city is. But these are not pillows that Jericho is made out of. The, the, in fact, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. People were scared of these folks called the Israelites. No one went in, and no one came out. And the Lord told Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with kings and its fighting men. 
March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark, and on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give up a loud shout all together, and then the walls of the city will collapse. All you have to do is shout on the seventh day, seventh time around, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. And so they did this. For six days, they got up and they marched all together, all around the city one time. They kept marching around the city. And on the seventh day, they marched around six times, y'all, six times. And then on the seventh time, they took off marching around, and, and they got to the end, and, and Joshua says, all of us, blow your horn. And they blew their horn and said, now all of us shout together, and we're going to go take over this city. And all together, the people shouted. Let me tell you something, folks. This is what I learned about strong people this week. We live in a world where we think strong people shout at each other, right? We just shout our best ideas at each other. No, strong people walk around a city six days in a row if they have to, six more times if they have to. They get to know each other. They know what step they're making, what, what their favorite color is. They know the people around them. And then on the seventh day, you know what people who've walked life together for six long days in the in the Maybe it was snow. It was probably sun. Uh, they walk. They know each other, though, right? That's what we've been called to do, is take this long walk around the city. And then on the seventh day, the seventh time around, maybe you'll know how to shout together. Does anybody here watch the same news channels I watch? Anybody here live in the same community I live in? What would it look like if we start to shout together? And here's the hardest part of my whole week. I... They, like, come in and, like, just take over the city. And I'm like, ooh, I don't really like how they're taking over the city. I'm like, God, can you tell me, can you please tell me? And I text my friend Patrick, and I'm like, I do not like this part of the story. And he says, Erica, what if God's called us to take over Tampa in a new way? Like, what if God's actually given you the vision that we can take over this city in a new way? What does it look like if we keep doing this hard work, folks, of building community together, getting to know each other. There were ways we could have taken shortcuts over the last year. And instead, we've decided that the important thing to do is get in there and do life together, even when it's not the easiest thing to do. To go across town to an elementary school. To make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. To, to join a small group and be really honest about where we are in life. What does it look like if we keep doing that work where we get to know each other and then we shout together not at each other. We figure out how to bring this city together, that we may shout together and take this city over. So that we're not even concerned about the grades of BT Washington or any other school, that every child in our community is succeeding and knows about this abundant and free life. When, when they look at that stone and say, hey, remember that church that gathered in a middle school auditorium? And they believe that if we shouted together, we could actually shine light and ignite change for a new day in our city. Remember those, that family who was struggling Remember how, how there was a whole group of them because, because we were honest with each other and we decided to start shouting together that there's a new way, a new thing that God can do. God took over this city through a bunch of people that call themselves Horizon Church. Here's the deal, guys. I am so thankful that you all are here. The band's going to come up right now and start playing, um, playing a song. I, just, I want to take a moment for us just to remember... Um, Chris is going to lead communion. Come on. Um, I just want us to take a moment 
And name right now where you are in your seat, in your head. What are some, some moments that God has helped you know that you are strong? What does it look like right now for us to claim that we are brave, strong, known, and loved as we shine light and ignite change?